Unfortunately, more than ever before, we're living in a day where many people are skeptical. There's a lot of people that are skeptical of a lot of things. People are skeptical of political leaders. They're skeptical of the media, social media, and the list goes on and on and on. And people now more than ever before are not only skeptical, but they feel deceived. They feel deceived. And, and from being skeptical or deceived, it naturally causes one thing to arise within anyone's heart. Do you know what it is? It's doubt. Doubt is what happens when you're going through a season of skepticality and deceitfulness to rise up in your hearts and your minds. And if you think about it, all of us have a mind frame sometime or another, whether you're churched or you're unchurched, occasionally is saying something like this, I'll see it. If I see it, I'll believe it. If I see it, I'll believe it. Even the people who we're going to look at today in the Bible, there was times that these people who were with Jesus, who had a relationship with Jesus, experienced doubt. Maybe you've experienced doubt in your life. Maybe you've gone through a season of skepticism or fear. And the same thing happened with these followers of Jesus sometime or another. Even one of Jesus' disciples was told by his friends that Jesus had risen from the dead and famously doubted that that was true. Do you know who that disciple was? It was Thomas. Thomas was that individual. Unfortunately, he was known as Doubting Thomas. But I want us to, to, as we look through this journey of his life, I want us to do so in a way that hopefully will, will make every single one of us in this room or whether you're online understand the truth that there is hope for the skeptic. There's hope for the doubter. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know someone that's a skeptic or a doubter. But I want to tell you three simple truths today in this message. Number one is this. The resurrection reminds us that our lives can be forever changed. The resurrection reminds us that our lives can be forever changed. You know, I remember that movie Sandlot, you know, where, you know, uh, the guy's telling that story about, you know, Hercules or the beast and all that stuff. And he says, forever, forever. And I believe the resurrection reminds us that our lives can be forever changed. You see, one thing that will change our unbelief is when we surround ourselves with a, having a growing relationship with, with the Lord Almighty, with God. But not only surrounding ourselves with having a grown relationship with God, but those who are like-minded as followers of Jesus. You see, what happens when we avoid living a life of absence from Jesus, or we live a life of absence from his church or whatever it may have been, which a lot of people have experienced during this pandemic, it, it begins to do something within our lives, not in a positive way, but in a negative way. And in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, we're not going to read it for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to read it on your own, John chapter 20. And, it, and as you read it, you'll notice most of the disciples were present when Jesus came out of that tomb and when he showed up on the scene after his resurrection, except for one of them. Do you know who that one person was? It was Thomas. Thomas isn't just known as Doubting Thomas. He's known as Alone Thomas. He was alone. He was away from the clan. And one thing I've learned is that, it, that devastation happens when we isolate ourselves in our darkest moments. When we're going through something that's so traumatic, so hard, so difficult, that's the time that we most draw away from people and we're alone. You see, there's people in the Bible that, that spent time alone. David gave into temptation when he was alone on the roof of a, the rooftop looking at another man's wife. He ended up having sex with her, and he ended up getting her pregnant and so forth when he should have been in the battle with his army, but yet he, went, he stayed home and he was alone in that moment. Job and Jonah, great men of God in the Old Testament, they came to a point in their life where they wanted to die, and they were all alone while they were going through their suffering. They were going through their pain. Judas gave in to taking his own life because he betrayed Jesus, and instead of finding the other disciples to help him through his pain or to find his brothers to help him during his struggles, he found relief by hanging on a tree all alone. 
When the prodigal son was all alone, his only source of relief was found in eating uh, with being surrounded by pigs in a pig's trough instead of being with his father, instead of being with his family, instead of being with the servants because he wanted to live on his own. He wanted to live under his own rules and his own ways and he was alone. That's why God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for you to be alone. That is why the Bible says it's so good and pleasant when brothers dwell together in unity and that we don't forsake the assembly when we come together. You see, church, I want to encourage you, don't just come to church on Easter and Christmas, but make it a habit. Make it a part of your lifestyle because you are not meant to live life alone. But instead of being around people who could encourage him, what did Thomas do? He chose to be alone and in the process he became discouraged. Instead of being with people who could pray for him, he chose to be alone doubting that he could ever see Jesus again. Instead of being with people who could build him up in his faith like the church or, or like the disciples or others that were like-minded in his faith, he chose to be alone and became dejected. And instead of being with people who could help him deal with his unbelief, he chose to be alone. And from being alone, he had an easier time giving into his unbelief. He had an easier time of giving into his unbelief because of his absence from the Lord and his absence from others. Friends, I want you to remember, the greater your absence is from others, the greater your unbelief will become. Did you hear what I said? The greater your absence from others is, the greater your unbelief will become. And that's exactly what happened to Thomas. But despite Thomas's absence, despite Thomas's doubt, Jesus and the disciples, they were not appalled at him. They were not angry at him. They weren't even displeased with the skeptic and the doubter. They didn't react to his doubt, but rather they responded in kindness to the skeptic. Instead of throwing in the towel on Thomas, Jesus and the disciples didn't give up on him. Have you ever given up on someone? Have you ever given up on yourself? Instead of saying, who needs him? They said, we're with you, Thomas. Instead of telling Thomas, we don't want you here since you don't believe like we do, they remained with him. And eight days later, Jesus showed up on the scene. And when Jesus showed up, he did not chastise him. You can read the scriptures. He didn't criticize him for his doubt, but rather he showed his skeptic, Thomas, the truth. He showed him the truth in love, inviting him to touch his wounds and believe. You see, from the resurrection of Jesus, Thomas' life, his, his life was changed forever. His life was changed forever. When Thomas said, if you read the scripture, it says, my Lord. He didn't say the Lord. He said, my Lord. And in that moment, he was putting Jesus in the front center of the throne of his heart. And when he said, my God, he didn't say the, the God. He said, my God, he was recognizing that Jesus is on the throne of the entire universe. You see, Thomas made a declaration of his dependence, not only in what he believed in in that moment, but who he believed in, who he believed in. And from that point on, church history tells us that Thomas went forth from that moment, a changed man. Something happened within his life. He was strengthened and would demonstrate and develop a greater movement for God's church and for God's kingdom as he lived under the rule of Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. That's why we read in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he, lo he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, aren't you thankful for redemption? Aren't you thankful for that word, redemption? It's awesome for forgiveness. You see, friend, the resurrection reminds us that we're not limited to where we start in our journey. There was no doubt Thomas was not known as doubting Thomas in the beginning of his relationship with Jesus. And with the disciples and all the things that were happening during that season of three and a half years of being with Jesus, I want you to understand, friends, we're not limited to where we start in our journey with Jesus. 
You might be in this room and you might be a skeptic. You might be in this room and you might be a seeker. You might be in this room and you might be a stumbler. Or you might be sold out in your faith for Jesus Christ. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what mistakes you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what mishaps you have or failures or doubts or hurts. I want you to understand that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I can experience breakthrough. Everyone say breakthrough. We can experience breakthrough. That's a powerful word. And Thomas' situation reminds us that even when we're skeptical, even when we have doubts, like, God, where are you? Why am I going through this? When are you going to turn this situation around in my life? And you can relate to Thomas. God, I want you to understand, has never left you. God has never forsaken you. The Lord is with you even when you feel he's so far away. Just like Thomas, amen? Just like Thomas. That's why John eleven twenty five twenty six. 26, Jesus said to the individual, to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? My friends, I want you to remember this morning, he has risen. He has risen indeed, amen. Not only that, friends, but Jesus is alive, not just on this Easter Sunday, but he's alive for today and forevermore, and he is in the business of changing lives for all eternity. I don't know what kind of business you're in. You might be into education. You might be into finances. You might be an entrepreneur. I don't know what kind of business you're in, but the kind of business that Jesus is in today and will always be in is changing lives for all eternity, amen? The second thing is this. The second thing the resurrection reminds us is that God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan and God has a purpose for our lives. Let me ask you a question. How many people in a place like this are the middle child in their family? Raise your hand. See all those hands going up right now? Let's, let's just have them come down to the altar and let's pray for them. You've always heard about the middle child in a family. They say being the middle child often feels difficult because they feel the need to compete with the younger sibling and with the older sibling for parental attention. But let me ask you another question. Perhaps you've been in the middle aisle of an airplane or you've been in the middle aisle of a theater and, and all of a sudden you have an urge that you need to go to the bathroom or, or you want to go get a snack or whatever it may be at the theater. When you're in the middle of, a, of an area, of, of whether it's in an airplane or a theater or a bus or whatever it may be, we usually feel awkward. We usually feel embarrassed. I, was, I remember I was flying back from Texas, and the guy next to me was, was just having church. I mean, he was, he was snoring. He was, he was in la-la land. I mean, talk about be still and know that I'm God. I mean, this guy, but I had to go to the restroom. And I, I felt so bad being in the middle aisle. I mean, nobody wants to be in the middle. Nobody looks on the airplane and says, especially on Southwest, I want the middle aisle, you know, the middle seat. And I have to say, excuse me, I know you were having church, but can you, can you, can you get out of the way? i got to go to the restroom. I felt awkward. I felt embarrassed. I felt like a nuisance for those around me. But have you ever noticed no one likes the middle? Why? Because in the middle, we feel stuck. In the middle, we feel helpless. In the middle, we even feel hopeless. Even when you get a new job, it can be very exciting. It can be very exciting. And the ending usually is a celebration of a job well done, but it's in the middle. Everyone say in the middle. It's in the middle that we just go through the motions. It's in the middle that we feel the weight of our, of our job. It's in the middle that we feel heavy laden. And in the middle, you feel you're, you're equally far from where you started out, but you also are just as far from the ending. And in the middle, it's when most tempting to give up. It's in the middle of a relationship. It's in the middle of a job. It's in the middle of whatever it is that you're dealing with that you feel like you want to give up because fear has overtaken your heart and your life. I want you to understand, friends, this morning, today we're going to look at another one of Jesus' closest friends. Not just a friend, but friends. 
and the impact the resurrection had on them, and they were the disciples. Now, talk about being in the middle prior to the resurrection. Many of you maybe have heard the story, but Jesus' disciples were in the middle of the storm. They were in the middle of the storm of the Sea of Galilee being tossed around with the waves and the winds. It was in the middle that they began to think in their minds that God's plan for their life was to die. They're like, why do we join this? Why do we sign up for this? We're going to die. It was in the middle when they felt that, that the purpose of being a disciple for Jesus was about to end. It was in the middle when fear, anxiety, worry showed up in the boat more than the presence of the Most High God. And when they thought they were going to, go, they were going to drown. Yet it was in the middle of their pain, it was in the middle of their hardship that Jesus showed up and what happened when he arrived on the scene was miraculous. Their fear, their anxiety, their discouragement, their worries were exchanged for faith, for peace, for courage and victory. They went from being confused, where's Jesus, to being comforted in that moment because they had been with Jesus. I want you to notice that when they heard his voice in the middle of the storm, their circumstance didn't change. Some of you in this room, you call upon the Lord and you hear him, but yet your circumstance doesn't change. And you're wondering to yourself, God, why aren't you doing what you should be doing? That's probably exactly what these guys were thinking. Things were still hard. Things were still bleak. The boat was still rocking. Water was coming onto the boat. The boat was looking like it was going to sink. But what did he say in the middle? He said, peace be still. Some of you need to listen to that word this morning. Some of you need God's peace. And instead of the water, the waves crashing over them, his words carried and washed over them like, like cool water splashing on a hot face from the summer heat bringing relief from the middle of that day. And from the middle of that storm to that moment on the Resurrection Sunday, when the disciples saw Jesus, when they saw his wounds on that Resurrection Sunday, he reminded them of that moment on the Sea of Galilee. And this is the moment that he wants you to understand this morning, that God can always, always be trusted. God can always be trusted. That's what he was reminding them when they saw his wounds on that Resurrection Sunday, that, that he was who he said he was and that he had risen from the dead. First Peter 1.3 says, praise be to God. We sang that. We sang that. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, the disciples may have received peace at the sea, but when they saw Jesus on that resurrection Sunday, they received power. They received power, and they went on and did great exploits for Jesus Christ in that incredible moment. You see, the resurrection reminds us that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want you to understand, God does not have a plan B or a plan C or a plan D or a plan E. We might have those things. God only has one plan for your life, and that's plan A. That's plan A. That's all he has. The Bible says in Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. And just like Jesus showed up in the middle when the disciples were on the sea, and he showed up in the middle when they were wondering if he would rise from the dead, he showed up and turned their fears into faith, not only on the sea, but he turned their doubt into confidence on that resurrection Sunday morning. Friends, I don't know what you need from the Lord this morning, but whatever it is, God wants to give you the opposite of what the enemy is trying to give you, of what your flesh is trying to give you in your moment. I want you to understand something, friends, that no matter how negative of a circumstance that you're going through, that's where Jesus wants to show up. That's where Jesus wants to surprise you like he did the disciples, not only on the Sea of Galilee, but on that resurrection Sunday, amen? And finally, the resurrection reminds us that there's always hope. There's always hope. Everyone say hope. There's always hope. 
There were two people who were eventually going to meet Jesus on a road, but before they had encountered, had an encounter with him, these two individuals were very doubt, discouraged. They were downcast. Luke 24, 17 through 19 says that their faces were so downcast that they stood still. And of course, Jesus came to them, but they didn't know it was Jesus in that moment. And Jesus said, hey, why are you so sad? And they were like thinking to themselves, have you, have you read Facebook? Have you, have you looked at Twitter? Have you looked at the Jerusalem Times or whatever it may be? Don't you understand that, that the, the reason we're de- depressed and discouraged is because, you know, Jesus was condemned to death. He was crucified on a cross and they felt like everything was over for them. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you thought everything was over for you? Maybe you're going through that right now, or maybe you know someone that, that's been in that boat or whatever it may be. But what happened, they thought everything was over for them, and their faith and their belief in Jesus was diminished. It was finished in that moment. But when Jesus showed up on the scene after his res- resurrection, he came and turned their depressed minds. He came and brightened their wounded hearts. And Jesus came to help them in the middle of their pain to see things from a different perspective. You see, that's what the resurrection does. It reminds us that there's a different perspective from what this world has to offer. And I'm so thankful for that. And so what ends up happening is the circumstance that these two faced on the road to Aramaeus wasn't necessarily as important as the conclusion they drew from. The problem wasn't about what happened to Jesus. Yes, Jesus was was crucified and he died and and he, he died a brutal death. But the problem was the conclusion that they had come up with. The conclusion, the perspective that they came up with in their mind was that Jesus was dead, that he was forever gone from their lives. And sometimes we come to that conclusion in our finances. Sometimes we come to that conclusion with our health. Sometimes we come to that conclusion in our careers that it's finished, that that it's done. But let me tell you something, friends. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God said, I am the beginning and the end of your life. And no matter where you're at in the middle, Jesus came to challenge your assumptions. He came to challenge our assumptions. But he did so after being with them. Notice, he was with them. He listened to their discouragement as they walked together. And these two people were hopelessly thinking nothing but the worst about their circumstance. I want you to listen to me this morning. The wrong thinking you have in your mind will always lead to wrong living. Did you hear what I said? The wrong thinking in your mind will always lead to wrong living. And inaccurate information will always lead to unnecessary fears. Inaccurate information always leads to unnecessary fears. To experience the hope found in the resurrection, we need to remember that Jesus didn't necessarily come to make our lives better. The reason Jesus came to this earth, died on that cross, and rose from the grave is he came to save souls. That's why he came, to testify the truth. The beauty of the resurrection is that life is a lot better with a saved soul than all the riches of this world, than being popular in your school, than having success, than having the possessions that this world has to offer. That's why Mark 16, 5 through 7 says this, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They were scared. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazareth, who was crucified, but he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. I love how, how he, he specifically mentioned Peter. Why did he say Peter? Because Peter previously had denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And specifically, this angel says, and tell Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he said, as, as he told you. Church, I want you to understand this morning that Easter is more than just a holiday observed on a calendar once a year. 
Easter is more than a chocolate bunny or an Easter egg or candy. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the Easter resurrection is our identity as followers of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection reminds me today, the resurrection reminds me our tomorrow, that we can experience and have hope all the days of our lives. You see, friends, I want you to listen to me this morning. You were meant to live in the power of the resurrection. You were meant to be a parent in the power of the resurrection. You were meant to have a wonderful relationship with your kids and your grandkids and your spouse in the power of the resurrection. You were meant to work where God placed you in the power of the resurrection because the resurrection gives us access to experience the ultimate joy, a joy that shines in our lives no matter what comes our way. Amen? No matter what comes, I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, okay? I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that gives you the ability to endure the loss of a loved one or friend. Yes, there's mourning. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's heartache. But yet in the midst of all that stuff as a follower of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power of the joy of the Lord gives me strength. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that sustains you in the case of something unexpected. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that sustains you in in the case of an emergency. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that gives you the ability by the Holy Spirit to go forward. When you feel weak, you're strong. When you're poor, he makes you rich in spirit for what he's done. And that joy is not only available for the two people on the road to Aramaeus. It's also available to you today and tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. The joy of the Lord is our strength the devil the religious leaders the roman soldiers and those who despise jesus may have killed him on that friday but we need to remember friends we need to always remember that in three days a lot can happen A lot can happen in three days, amen? I want you to understand this morning, friends, that no matter what we face, that no matter what we go through in those seasons, you can never keep a great man down like in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's why it says in Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. So friends, no matter what you're dealing with today, The resurrection always reminds us of three things, that there's always hope. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what you're going to deal with tomorrow. But I want you to understand, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is always hope. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life, even when you feel your your purpose and your plan has come to an end. And that you can always experience transformation. You You can always experience change in your life because of the resurrection on this Easter Sunday.